Most men learn early in life the importance that the opposite sex places in having their hair done. I can see the smiles on the face. Hair done at any time, but in particular before any important event, it is for the lady one of the necessities of life. I'm not aware of any systematic research having been carried out into why that should be so. But if you were to investigate and ask the ladies themselves, they would give you answers like, it makes me feel good, or I need to look my best. Obviously, one's hair being done is important in the day-to-day life of the female of our species. Quite recently, late at night, the telephone rang in one bank house. And the voice at the other end first said who was speaking, and that was followed quickly by you always told me that if I needed help, I should phone you and you would help me. I need your help. What are you going to do about it? That kind of telephone call is usually triggered off by something. And it helps if you can find out what that something is or was. And after a few questions to the lady, the answer became clear that the surface reason for the call was the visit that she had paid to her hairdresser. My caller's hair on that day had been shampooed, it had been set, and where necessary, the scissors had just evened a little bit up. And she began to feel very good until she had arrived back at her home and she looked in the mirror. And looking into the mirror, there came into her mind. She had the thought, what was the point of me having my hair done today? Why? Why did I have my hair done today? I'm not going anywhere. I'm not meeting anybody. And it appeared that the thinking from there had gone. My husband has been dead for a number of years. And my children are living well away from me. And I don't see them or my grandchildren very often. And so she began to think about whether life in itself was important, let alone having her hair done. And her thoughts were not good. And so she phoned me. And listening to her, 
it became clear that the problem was a feeling that she had, a feeling of emptiness, a feeling of being alive, but with no real future to contemplate. A kind of situation where there is a sense that you have no value and you would not be missed if you too were to disappear. It's quite easy to ask yourself in those situations, why should I carry on? My late night caller is a person of talent and ability. She has very few, if any, material needs. And you would think that she would be able to carry on her life in a meaningful and positive way. But as her phone call made clear, she had now no reason, she thought, for living. After some time in a wide-ranging conversation which considered possible avenues of help and routes to travel, we came inevitably to the question of faith. And my caller was a long-time member of the church, not here. And when I asked her about her faith, she confessed that where once there had been certainty, now there was doubt. And gently, very gently, she came to realize that for some considerable time, she hadn't come close to God at all. Neither in her private life nor in her attendance at public worship. She had unknowingly and unwittingly cut herself off from the very creator of life, from the one who would assure her that she was valued, valuable to him. To my, to my knowledge, she still goes to the hairdressers, but has another attitude to life now, for she has taken up some jobs that help people who are in need. And then I was reading recently the story that Frank Borham told of how three slaves huddled together among the swamps of one of the southern American states of America. They were sitting there, two were women, and one, the third, is Uncle Tom. And Uncle Tom, seeing that they are too tired to grind their own corn, grinds it for them. And the ladies, touched by his sympathy, they baked his bread with theirs. And Tom, after he had eaten, 
after he had eaten and sitting by the light of the fire, he took out from his pocket his Bible, for he had need of comfort. What's that? asked one of the ladies. A Bible, answered Tom. Read a piece, said the woman. And Tom reads, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Them's good words, the lady said. Who said the words? And beginning with those good words, Tom talks to them about Jesus. In the last century, preaching in the highlands of Scotland, the Reverend Alistair MacLean said, when your night is deepest and all your stars are fled, it is then that the Son of God knocks gently on your door to speak these words that are alike the loveliest words and the noblest ever formed by the lips of flesh. Come unto me, all ye who are tired and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. For those of us who look into the mirror of life and wonder what life holds, there are them good words for all of us to hear echoed in our mind. And notice how Jesus will achieve what he has promised. He will take the burden from you and he will place on you his yoke, which he describes as being light. The whole message of Scripture is that God has a task for us. Your task, my task. Your life, my life. They are to be powered by His Spirit, a power which will unburden us. Today, you and I are here by invitation. In invitation to remember. To remember that Jesus died for us. That our sins might be forgiven. Reminded too that he rose and promises that we shall have life everlasting. Some of you remembered reading Alice in Wonderland. An easier question, and I would expect every hand to go up now. How many of you remember the children's hymn, If I Come to Jesus? I thought all the choir would remember. The children's hymn says, If I come to Jesus, he will make me glad. He will kindly lead me. So don't cut yourself off from God. 
Come to Jesus who tells us, I will give you peace, a peace that the world does not give. Come to Jesus and know that as you follow him, you are leading, you're being led on a road which will take you into the kingdom of heaven. Come, come unto me, and I will give you rest. Let these be the words that you take away from the table today. For here today, we see the signs of God's love and of Jesus' way of leading us to his heavenly Father.